What are you doing here, nigga? I'm not gonna ask you again. Young man, I've had a long day. I'm tired. I'm not tired enough to ever let nobody call me that word. You see a nigga standing in front of you? Across the street from a building named after one of our greatest heroes? Yeah, a dead one. You even know who Crispus Attucks was. A free black man. The first man to die for what became America. He could have acted scared when those Brits raised their guns, blended in in the crowd. But he stepped up. He paid with his life, but he started something. That's what Pop did, not me. I laid in the cut until he stepped up, and it cost him his life too. I ain't laying back no more. You wanna shoot me? Pull the trigger, nigga! I got all night! Do it! What? You scared? Fine. I'll do it for you. To another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Ms. Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. House folks, and it's the post-Turkey Day phase of our lovely podcast. People, the call-in number remains the same, 646-915-9620, again, 646-915-9620, in between dealing with all that leftover turkey and stuffing. I'm sure you can actually check out our podcast. We're going to give you the best of Urban Alternative Groove Black Rock and Roll, Psychedelic Soul, 
all that good stuff. Plus, we have a colloquium of all-stars, our West Coast, Left Coast correspondent, Claire Linnae, Captain James T. Kirk, and of course, the, un- the uncanny Daryl B. Everyone is in full effect and in the house, live and direct, live and direct, excuse me. Um, we have a lot to get into, folks. We're going to talk about Snowpiercer making it to TV. Angela Bassett gets the Panther gig. And there's some Westworld theories floating around, I think, Lore. So, without further ado, let's play some Herb Alt Grooves before I have to actually play Christmas music. <laughs> yes, it's part of the tradition. I will play, well, let me be more apropos, holiday music, holiday music. Although I think with um, Donald Trump as president-elect, we may see a return to being able to say Christmas more comfortably. But uh, anyway, folks, I don't even even want to talk about it. Uh, This Herbalt group I was talking about, this is Anderson Pack, a cat I really dig, actually. Anderson Pack from his No Worries EP, and this is Get Bigger, Do You Love? We'll be right back. Let's groove. Anderson Pack, folks. 
get bigger. This is the Grindhouse. Let's just get into it. Let's get into our own personal groove. Captain, you're needed on Rigel 25. They're doing a voter recheck. Let's get into it. Howdy, gang. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, this gentleman, uh, I'm not going to give him, because I'm always giving him a introduction. Let's just, you know who he is. You know his knowledge. You know what he brings to the game. This is the uncanny Daryl B. Sometimes there's actors and actresses who make roles that transcend us all. That 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 give you hope, that that put a smile on your face, or make you feel every bit of your character. In that case, rest in peace, Florence Henderson. Rest in peace, Ron Glass. What? Wait, wait, wait. Ron Glass passed. Mm-hmm. Passed today. Holy! What? Oh man, this is officially Final Destination, Daryl. Ron Glass from Firefly and also Barney Miller, correct? Yes. Wow. Wow. Oh, man, you hit me hard, man. Oh, man, this is incredible. I didn't, I didn't hear about Ron Glass. All right, let's try, to, let's try to power through. Incredible. Wow, something is up. All right. She's flying in courtesy of her invisible plane, her invisible jet. She is a much-needed component to the Afro Nerd Radio machine. You know what's up when you hear the music, the funk. She is Claire Lene. Claire. Ebert. Hey. I'm still tripping off How cat saying howdy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does that. He does that. Yeah, he likes to How mix things up. Of course, of course. Wow, I'm trying to keep. I'm trying to save my safe face. I mean, I, I just dealt with Florence Henderson, and I then know. he told me that, that totally took me by surprise too. I'm just now looking it up. Wow. Mr. Glass oh, gone man. at 71. This is this is unbelievable. I know he wasn't that old. Wow. No, 71. Not, been- not that old. Not always, it, was, it wasn't kind of like, you know, Fidel Castro at 90. Yeah. <laughs> we had, you know, good old hatred keeps you alive. I suspect, I, yeah, I suspect our sure new does. president will have a long life. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's get into this, folks. If you'd like to join in with our, our discourse, again, the number is 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Uh, Claire, at the top of the show, I'm going to pass the mic to you because we know you do this, you know, the best. Why not run down, if you may, this week's weekly roundup? I I shall. Um, as you've noticed, as of late, I've been just, you know, keeping it short and sweet. You know, we just, we just got so much going on in the world, you know, and it's the holidays, so... Let's get into it. As you have mentioned, Marvel's Black Panther has cast Angela Bassett as Ramonda, the Queen Mother. 
How befitting. Uh, Legendary has acquired the film and TV rights to Frank Herbert's science fiction novel, Dune. Legends of Tomorrow will be moving to Tuesday nights after The Flash, starting in January. Let's see here. Doctor Strange surpasses Marvel freshman films Thor, Ant-Man, Captain America, and Incredible Hulk at the U.S. box office. And in case you were wondering, the reason why Legends is moving to Tuesdays is because the Archie Comics TV series Riverdale is set to premiere on The CW Thursday, January 26th. Law & Order SVU alum Christopher Maloney will be starring in the TV adaptation of Grant Morrison and Derek Robertson's Happy. Um, Let's see. As you, again, have mentioned, this is going to be an interesting one. I'm actually kind of curious about this. The Snowpiercer film uh, directed by June Bakho is going to be getting a TV adaptation with a pilot order at TNT. Speaking of all of these adaptations and reboots and prequels and sequels and franchise galore, Highlander is going to be getting a reboot uh, with John Wick's Chad Stahelski directing. John Cena, as you know, popular wrestler and actor, had his name added to the Thor Ragnarok IMDb cast list as himself, but his name was quickly removed a few days later. Possible cameo spoiler? Uh, Let's see. Um, Kevin Feige made very clearly, (laughs) as if we hadn't already kind of suspected, but hoped for otherwise, uh, made clear on uh, his stance regarding X-Men and Fantastic Four ever joining the MCU. He says that it's an impossibility at this juncture, and that right now we have enough films to keep us busy for a number of lifetimes. Let's see. Even though it has been delayed until May 2017, Star Trek Discovery has cast Michelle Yeoh of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Now, it was mentioned that she would be playing a captain, but not the captain of the said uh, vessel. It'll be um, uh, another ship, another another prominent vessel uh, that will be part of the story for the, this, the first season. Pacific Rim 2, or Pacific Maelstrom, adds another Chinese action star, Zhang Jin, of Ip Man 3, to its roster. And last but not least, Kevin Smith says that he would, of course, want to direct the Flash movie if offered, but he highly recommends Deadpool's Tim Miller. Well, that's all I have for this week. Back to you. All right, Claire. As always, we appreciate your your um, your talent. So again, kudos to you and happy Thanksgiving and all that jazz. Um, let's get into it. Let's kind of mix it up. I'm gonna kind of go move things around before we talk about Snowpiercer, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, let, let's actually talk about last week's Flash. I was pleasantly surprised 
that. I, I had a, a much better feeling about that episode. I mean, I, I'm a Flash fan. I've said so many times on the show that I was introduced to comic book collecting through that character. I mean, literally shouting out uh, Captain Kirk's predecessor, Iron Man, when I was 12. <laughs> That's how long ago it was. When I was 12, uh, he had a, a, a bag full of comics crumpled up, and the, I, I remember as clear as day, the top comic was a Flash comic. And for some reason, I was enthralled by the story of a police scientist. They, didn't use, they really didn't use the term uh, CIS at that point. CSI, pardon me. They didn't really use that, that term. They just called him a police scientist. So anyway, it's not, much, not much is going to happen to take me away from actually liking the Flash on TV. I mean, hell, I even like the first iteration of the Flash on TV. Uh, but th- there really is no comparison with how this one is, is, is really shaping up. They really um, touch on many, much of the mythology, a, a lot of the mythology. So I, I really can't hate on it. But this third season has, a, has been a bit, I don't know, kind of off balance, not really giving me – it doesn't really make me feel like I'm, I'm invested in it or something. This past episode did it for me. So I'm going to pass the mic to, to Claire, actually. Claire, did you get a chance to check out this last episode of The Flash? Of course I did. And honestly, this okay. was the one that I was looking forward to because I, if I hadn't expressed it you know, on the show, I know I mentioned to you guys that, frankly, I have been underwhelmed with season three. I was very disappointed with how they chose to execute Flashpoint. I know they have their reasons, and I understand that it is complicated to try to write a story regarding changing the timeline, which will undoubtedly somehow affect three other shows that share this universe. So I get it. It's complicated. But I just felt like it was a missed opportunity to rush through that so quickly and just wrap that up in one episode. So we've been muddling through, and I was—I remember hearing that Kevin Smith was going to be directing the Killer Frost episode. So this is the one that I was looking forward to. And I will say that I really enjoyed it, except for the very last part, which, again, I mentioned to you guys, you know, yeah, via instant message or whatever. But I, except for that last part of the episode, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. They finally let loose. They finally had some fun. They had some action. They had some conflict internal between friends, between family. I mean, stuff that actually mattered instead of trying to introduce all these villains that, frankly, I'm sorry, it was, it's been disappointing as of late. But honestly, I, I've never really liked Caitlyn that much because she bores me. She's always been very dull to me. So to see her be able to juggle, you know, the sweet, you know, kind, loving, scientific, you know, logical person to being this evil, you know, I mean, just to be able to not be the villain who just wants to destroy and take over the world and steal someone's speed and blah, blah, blah. We've already been there, done that. I mean, she, let's face it, she spoke a lot of truth. She spoke a lot of truth about all the things that we don't like about Barry and, we, you know, the things that he's messed up and the bad choices that he's made and how it affects the team. I mean, she spoke a lot of truth, and I love that. 
I absolutely loved it. In fact, I really hope that they bring this back, bring back this element because, you know, even when the the the, the kiss to to freeze him, I mean, stuff like that. You have to remember where you're at with the with comic books. These are opportunities to play, to play. And honestly, I just felt like they hadn't been doing that at all until now. So aside from the quote-unquote reveal, which was lame, that was terrible, for the most part, I was, I was really pleased with this episode. All right. Uh, Daryl, pass the mic to you. What were your thoughts about the last episode? Barry Allen is the worst supervillain that Central City has ever known. All of this lies at his feet. Okay? I, 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 and, and, and for Claire's edification, they played Killer Frost. This Killer Frost, that's supposed to be how Magenta was supposed to be. Okay? Killer Frost is bad. Right? But Magenta is supposed to be the one whose personalities flip between good and evil like this. So so they got they got Killer Frost Magenta right. I will say it like that. But hey, that's nothing against Danielle Panabaker. That was a great run that she did uh, during the show. That that was that was cool. But you know what? This dude here I'm sick and tired of hearing sorry from Barry Allen. I am sick and tired sorry. 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 Every action has its consequences. Told you that in the beginning. Kept on telling you that. The the Earth 2 Flash told you that, or Earth 3 Flash, forget like that. And still, you want to muck with time, right? I want to see how they play the Cisco thing. We're, we're getting ready to do this crossover. You don't gloss over this. This guy's culpable in the death of your brother. You're helping him out. And all he can say to you is, we're still cool, right? F no. My brother was alive in the other timeline and you just killed him. You know? Because you were selfish. You could get over grief. All right? And you, you conveniently forgot that you stopped yourself one of the times before from changing history for a reason. We're, about, we're seeing the reasons now. Right? There's no making this right. Because if you try to make this right, you make things wrong all over again. Other than that, I, I, I said that, that Savitar, I love the comic book version. Obviously, the show loves the comic book version because they brought in stuff like the long knives of his followers and him professing himself to be the god of speed. But he, the, the animation on him, I'm sorry, he looks like the, the, the creature, uh, what was it, Species 8472 from, from Voyager, all hopped <laughs> up. That's what, that's what Savitar looks like to me. I, I'm sorry. I, I like to. Uh, I I like him as a man better than what that that thing he is. But I I did say a theory out. I put a theory out on Twitter because the way they do his super villains and all of this. Watch what Savitar is. Is the molecules of Eddie Thorne all jumbled up because of the Speed Force? I could see that easily. And then as he fights Savitar and defeats Savitar somehow. 
the the molecules recovalescent. Oh my God, Eddie's alive! I don't put it past the writers of the Flash to do something as hokey as that. See how every major supervillain or every arc is tied to Barry Allen? Well, here we go again. But the show is good. I give Kevin Smith credit. He avoided things. It was great to see Greg Gruenberg in this. I hope he's in it again. You know that that was awesome. But again. Barry Allen is the worst supervillain of all time of Central City. Captain Cold? No. Heatwave? Not even close. Zoom? That was good for a laugh. Everything lies at Barry Allen's feet. Back to you, Afrinerd. All right. Any thoughts, Cap, about uh, this particular episode? Well, first we have to back up first. Now... As I said before, let's give uh, CW and their writers a little bit of credit, a little level of understanding something. They understand this. Let me explain this. Net, what Netflix does, that's something different. They have their money, your money already, so you can binge watch, which HBO and Showtimes do something different. They have their money already, so they can do things a little bit different. When you deal with... The TV format, the quote-unquote TV format, advertisers are paying your bills. So you have to do things a certain way. Now, the first two seasons with Flash, everyone said this was the downside, though they loved it. They're giving everything to us all at once. They had to do it that way because when the ratings come in, if it's not right, it's out of here. So you were very thrilled, even though at times you didn't know what was going on. Also, they did that with Arrow, season one. Everyone was getting killed in season one and Arrow. Everyone was loving it. So now, because they got you pulled in, you could slow it down with this season. That's why it wasn't as tasteful. It wasn't as tasteful. Now we could do something different. Couldn't do this season one. Couldn't do this season one. You lose people. You lose people. Now you could do it because you know something is coming based on the first two seasons. So I think they're on the smart side in respect to that. Now, me, personally, anytime I see the Flash getting pulled through the street, I love it. <laughs> That's my thing, boy. That's what I do to the gormless feral menstrual beast. That's my thing, boy. <laughs> so it was a good episode from that standpoint. It was a good episode. Let's see what happens from here and out. Back over to you, Afro Nerd. Well, you know, respectfully, all kudos to to Daryl because he mentioned this quite a, quite some time ago that, and I think even Claire went there also that there was this thing about not really calling Barry out on his s on his ish, and it was very blunt about, hey, you know, we understand that you, you that you were trying to uh, re- revitalize your parents or specifically your your mother that he was haunted by his mother's death, but you know everybody else is kind of paying the price, uh, well, allegedly play, paying the price for his his selfishness. But at the same time, you know, you have you you, you have um, Iris there saying, "Listen, there's no guarantee that what you did squarely connects to their to the to their um, to your friend's issues." And that's also true. There's no way to really know that. There's no way to know that. Maybe maybe Cisco would have died if Flash d- 
didn't go back. Maybe maybe it would have been an exchange between uh, between brothers, um, just as easily as we we know. I mean, they just kind of threw this out there, and Claire referenced this in, in her in her assertions that what was done, at least for the moment, we think it's, we think that it's mild. What happened in Arrow? I mean, mild in, in quotes. But Diggle's son was once a daughter. So I mean, you know, it could be. I I, I don't know how you would qualify that or quantify that. I mean, that, that's pretty serious. The, the, a gender switch. So, but at the same time, you know, who's to say who would have died or who would have lived? Uh, who, I think she even referenced that. Um, uh, what's her name? I just mentioned Daryl. What's what's the the uh, Killer Frost? Her actual her her character. Oh, Caitlin. Caitlin yeah. Snow. Who's to say Caitlin? Who's to say Caitlin didn't already already have these powers, and they just manifest like everybody else? They manifested where they manifested. I mean, there's just, there's no way to to squarely know if Barry Allen every time he does what he does that these things are connected to what he's doing. It could be far. You know, maybe he he. It has been predetermined that he must do these things to correct other things. You don't know. Anyway, I, however, whatever you may think, at least the reality of, I mean, this is all fantasy, but at least, you know, we would want things to kind of approach some kind of realistic way that people actually act. So I, I appreciated that, that particular episode. And I, I must also confess about the CW as opposed to how some other shows may, may work. You know, sometimes shows aren't able to successfully write the ship. I mean, maybe it's too early because this is just one episode. But if this is the trajectory, and they start to, you know, the, the shows start to kind of just increase in quality for season three, just as an arrow for what, what season is that? Four or five? Is it five? Is it the fifth episode? Fifth season? Yeah. Of, this uh, is the, yeah. Arrow? This is, yeah. This is the yeah. fifth year because it's the last year they can do flashbacks because this is the fifth year of the. <laughs> That he was away from the town. Yeah, they so said that about this will be the season. final season that they do the flashbacks because of the five-year, you know, journey that he went on. But, but the producers said that come season six and in the future, they're going to open up the flashbacks to other characters. Oh, so great! It's not the oh, end. Really? Exactly, exactly. It's not the end of flashbacks. No, it's just the end of Oliver's flashbacks for that particular uh, time on uh, the island and in Russia and all that. But they're going to open up flashbacks for all the other characters to try to give them backstory or whatever. But, you know, aside from this upcoming crossover next week, aside from that, I'm done with Arrow. I mean, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm done. Like I just can't even bring myself to go to go back, and I know, I know, people, everyone is telling me that season five, they are doing better. It's it's you know they've righted the ship, as you say. They have course corrected. It's trying to go back to how they were in seasons one and two, where they weren't so reliant on uh, magic and Damien Dark and all that stuff. But I'm sorry, from what I saw of season four, I was so disappointed and i was so unimpressed especially with the finale that was garbage like i just can't even bring myself to care i just can't especially now that i'm I'm seeing glimpses that you've introduced like what three new characters i'm like okay whatever 
Well, well, <laughs> at least at least I could say they have stopped stealing from Batman. They're now stealing from Titans. Wild Dog. <laughs> um, um, this this whole storyline now unfolding. It's Judas contract. So hell, I'll put I'll put it out there. Prometheus. That may be Deathstroke. Let's just say it like that. Since we're going to do Judas contract, and Artemis is playing Terra. Yeah, Prometheus, that that's Deathstroke. Let let's 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 steal it all the way, folks. Let's do it that way. Daryl, explain Prometheus for our listening audience. All right, for A folks bit. out there, Arrow Arrow has been um chased archer slash ninja slash omnipotent fighter named Prometheus. Okay? Folks thinking that it's the Prometheus from the Grant uh, Morrison JLA stuff? No, this this guy it looks the the guy literally looks like a more jacked up Merlin. Okay, that's that's how that's how the guy looks, and we haven't seen Merlin this season, so it could be Merlin. But it's the it's the guy that killed his in the first star killed the rival church, Tobias Church. He kills him and a bunch of cops because Church chose to take on Arrow directly. And Prometheus has had this one statement that, oh, Arrow's mine. Don't touch him. You could do whatever you want. Arrow's mine. When Church chose to go against Arrow head-to-head and Arrow beat Church, he kills Church. He's killed several corrupt cops, or at least we think were corrupt cops that that went head-to-head with Arrow. So Prometheus' motives, right now his motives is just to, to, ta- uh, to, to take out Arrow himself, okay? They, they've come with several re- revelations about being the, uh, about the, the original book that Arrow had and its strange connection to Prometheus, which is a little much to explain here. I think this all, all is a little much to explain. But in the last episode, we found out that Artemis, the girl, the girl that's taking on Black Canary's legacy on the team, is in cahoots with Prometheus. So that's why I said this is Judas contract. We're, we're playing out Judas contract right now. I, I hope that would clear stuff up there, Afrinard. Yeah, that that actually does because we know that Terra, the character from the Teen Titans, uh, who was I guess a wannabe paramour to Beast Boy, that you know he she he really did really liked her or loved her, and tried to give her all these chances. And she still ended up betraying the team. So I guess this is pretty much the same kind of thing. So you, you are right with that connection. Um, I, I guess I, I, I'm a little bit, a little bit more open-minded, uh, or a, I shouldn't say open-minded, forgiving than, than where Claire was going, although I understand where Claire is. It, it, Arrow is a very difficult thing to, to get into. I mean, the seasons one and two were meant, and then it just fell off, you know, two seasons in a row to me. But this but you season, saw you saw the rest of season four, right? I'm sorry. You saw the rest of season four. Oh Fortunately, yeah. yes. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, a- unfortunately, and I'm sure for you, especially since you are very clear on on how it started, where I am am not. I'm not nearly as 
invested and I'm not nearly as, um, you know, familiar with how the journey began. So even more so for you, you must be wondering what the hell happened. You know? Hey, hey, all I want to know is who's taking the time to do Mr. Terrific's corn rolls before battle and how they do it so dang quick. <laughs> that's, that's what I, I want to know. I that as well. You know, kind of every time before, he, you, know, you see oh, him all the time oh, you know. full fro, and then the next scene is an action scene, and he's got the corn rolls all done up. Hey, I oh, come know, from a Trini family. Those things are he, not done he, he quick. Came up, he came up with some kind of machine at Palmer Tech to do his corn rolls, like, look at his split. <laughs> <laughs> You know where I'm going to go with this, Cap. You know where I'm going to go with this. His, I know, his, I know, I know. Go ahead, go <laughs> with it, though. That was coming to the president. Go with it. Okay. That, hey, that's the character now. That's the character. Not the, not the Mr. Terrific that I'm familiar with, but hey, I mean, you know, all hey. things change. It's one of the fun things I'm we've been saying. debating. Like, like uh, I forget who, I, I think Lauren P., on Twitter first said it and then I didn't even realize it and then I'm like okay you know what that is right how the hell does he get those cord rolls done so fast I mean and you know something else <laughs> he, he, he okay this is where um you know when, when our, our, our supporter Q Storm talked about Doctor Strange being too comical for him which I thought was I thought it was really exaggerated uh, I thought there was a little bit of a little bit of respectable humor for Doc Strange. He really wasn't that humorous. He had humorous moments, but uh, Mr. Terrific is just a complete comical character. And if you go to the comic book, the, the, the actual mythology, that character is, it really is, uh, I guess, the black version of, of Batman intellectually, uh, financially, and he has... I mean, all these heroes are tortured in some way. I mean, that's the whole trope of being a superhero is that someone has to die. Someone close, has, close to you has to die that you may or may not be responsible for. You feel like you're responsible for that person's death, and then that death motivates you to seek justice. So in the case of, uh, of um, well, Michael Holt is the, the, the actual uh, print character, but... Um, as opposed to Curtis Holt. But that character is supposed to be not so jokey. I mean, you know, it's just, he, he's so jokey and not really a badass. I mean, the way that character is supposed to be, he's supposed to be, you know, have all, almost like Black Panther, Batman, all these, these heroes that work with gadgetry and have a, a near genius intellect or a genius intellect, they have this, and they're tortured. They, they, um, they don't act like that guy with these these. these Quirky quits, whatever. But be, beyond him, beyond him, um, you know, I'm tolerating it. But I, I think seasons one and seasons two, in answer to Claire's question, what happened was you were just at the the precipice of the deluge of all this, all these IPs coming forward from comic books. When when uh, Green Arrow came out. That was initially the first of all these other heroes coming forward. And, you know, they, they treated it very seriously. It was a different tone. Um, once everything else came in, you know, Flash was the, was the spinoff. And the spinoff surpassed the master. So 
it is what it is. But it's just, it was just so many properties that came out out after Arrow that I think Arrow just lost its steam, and now it's it's you know it. And also, it's dealing with the spectacular. I mean, you have a guy that has a bow and arrow, and you have Supergirl that can fly and shoot lasers out of her eyes. You have another guy that can can run, you know, faster than the speed of not well, not light yet, but I mean, these other other empowered people. Hell, even Daredevil is more interesting. I mean, he can he can fight. There's things going on. He, he's he's kind of dull. Kind of dull. Anyway. This I hear you. Along I hear you, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping that with the Flash, that this isn't a fluke, because I thought that you know what I saw here really was able to just kind of get you know get back to what it is that makes the Flash or any potential comic book hero great. You know, they had fun with it. They really played. They really went for things. And like I said, they really w- wanted to, you know, imbue the conflict that exists that no one ever seemed to address. So I, I enjoyed that. The alchemy thing to me is stupid. And I just, I was like, damn, that's a, that's not the right way to end this episode, but I understand where they're going with it. Just, it's just, I didn't like the reveal. I thought the reveal was garbage. So lazy, so obvious. So anticlimactic. We already see this coming a mile away, and there's nothing particularly interesting about about a reveal of a character to be until you care for him. You don't. Exactly. You don't, you don't care for you this don't character care about yet. This guy. And not only do you not care about this douchebag, you don't like him. Like we already don't like this British guy. We don't like him. So for you to try to reveal to me that he's actually the acolyte of Savitar, it's like, yeah, and what? I don't like him already. So what do I care that he's a bad guy? You know what I'm saying? Like there's no that's not a very strong reveal because there's no antithesis. There's no there's it's 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 so it just plays their hand instead of giving us a chance to to really see, like, oh, okay, so it's the, the person that you least expect, or it's the person that we've already grown to care for, we've grown to like, we've entrusted, we've befriended, whatever. I mean, as an audience member, I, I just, I'm, I, I hate the guy. Like, I, I just hate him. He's so, he's just so rude. He's such an ass. He's so arrogant. Like, go ahead. Kick his, kick his butt. Go ahead. Beat him up. Go ahead. Imprison him, because I don't care. You know, so I just felt like that was poorly, poorly handled. Can I but, interject? Like something? I said, go ahead. Go ahead, Cap. Go ahead. One one thing I realized with watching these shows, like even like Walking Dead, Supernatural. Supernatural is probably the, the exception. It got better after you got to seasons five, six, seven, and everything like that. Most of these. TV shows that come out, by the time they get to season four or five, they're on a decline, and there's no coming back from them. But they managed to hold on for three, four more years, you know, but it's actually on a decline. You look at Walking Dead, first four seasons, incredible. Fifth season, ah, come on, man. It starts decline, but they still have people watching. It goes on a decline. You know, let's see, we go way back with, like, X-Files. I think X-Files was very good for a very long time. That's another exception. But most of these shows... After you get to about season four or five, you're like, you're into it, and you have something invested into it. 
So you don't you don't let go of it. But if you really sit back and take a step back, you're eh, it's really not that good anymore. So I think with like I would say about seventy five percent of these shows, just throwing a number out there. You know, there's, you know, there's no survey or anything like that. It's just my own empirical evidence that after you get to a certain point, it's normally at season four or five. It, it's like if you take a step back and you didn't have so much invested because all of those episodes that you watch, you just let it go. You let it go. That's just my personal opinion. You know, that's just the way this stuff works. But there are some exceptions out there. Supernatural is definitely one. And, uh... X-Files was that way, too. That's so why I just want to interject that. Back to you, African. Yeah, you know, I was going to say that, um, you know, the, the problem also is that there really isn't enough time for these writers to really attack the plot holes and some of the incongruities involved with, with uh, screenwriting. Um, although, you know, if you have some, some a real brain trust that can delve into the the mythology that's you know decades old. I mean, that's one thing that makes comic book movies. I mean, it's somewhat advantageous if you have if you have the um, the skill set to actually explore some of the mythology because Flash has been around. I mean, if you think about this Flash, it's been around since 1956. Um, and if you go into if you want to be more technical. Flash as a speed hero from DC has been around since 1940. So I mean, there's, there's enough, there's a, there's a uh, a mountain, a library on one character alone to mill from, to mine from. So uh, if you have folks that are talented and, and, and uber, uber geeks, uh, I mean, you you pretty much have to have someone involved or several people, and they they're out there. Trust me, they're out there that know this mythology fairly well and then have and, and then have the folks that can adapt it and and, and contour it for uh, a TV audience it really shouldn't be you know it really shouldn't be this kind of uh, poor writing or or this 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 uh you know I guess all shows have you know dips and valleys and uh, you know highs and lows or what have you but um Claire is right, though. I, I hope that I'm, I'm not premature in, in, in giving kudos to this episode and then everything starts to fall off because they really can't afford that. I mean, they, you know, this is the turnaround, and a lot of it has to do with things that just make sense. You can't have – I mean, for, I would like for someone to explain when they put these prisoners in this makeshift – well, first of all, this makeshift prison should have some kind of connection to, to the other – I mean, there, there, there's, a, there's a prison Iron or pr- prisons – yeah, Iron Heights. There needs to be some connection to that, or uh, explain how these folks are able to. I mean, we see them being fed, but how do they bathe? How do they go? To, how do they go to the restroom? I mean, is it such a uh, a modernized thing where they can, you know, things just appear? I mean, I don't know. I mean, sometimes they, they they kind of use it. Sometimes they kind of talk about it, or or they reference it, humorous things. But you know, people like to know like things are plausible. That part's and, and annoying think, a, a little and bit. And think about it. Half the prisoners in there are dead. Think about who they've put in Without there. Without explanation. And no, with that we've seen either get killed or released and died or, yeah, so it isn't exactly humane. Let's put it that way. It, it, it's a solution. It's not a good solution. 
Well, these are super exactly because beings. they're being they're being held without trial. So that's the whole point: is that how do we how do we play this? I mean, we're holding these people against their will. We held them without without trial, without bail. We're not we're subverting the legal system because because they're not human, because they have powers, because they're dangerous, they're unstable. And yes, that is a good point. A lot of these characters that they've released ended up dead anyway. But my my thing is is that. You're right. You're right. It is confusing that, you know, at the risk of becoming stale, you keep trying to, you know, mine these characters because there are so many within the different, the different, you know, worlds and iterations. Like all these different DC properties and and Marvel properties. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of characters, and. And even just to experiment, like the ones that that do know each other in canon or don't know each other in canon, you can still play with it. So I get that. My problem is is that when you when you introduce a character, whatever you want to do with it, I tell I say to this to any writer friend of mine, you got to commit. Commit. Don't just dangle it in front of me as a one-off. Because then it, things just get messy, things get crowded, and I don't, I start to not care about anybody. I don't care about Magenta. I don't care about Jesse Quick. I don't even like this new Wells. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it gets to the point where I start to detach. I agree with you because there. Because it's just too much going on. And you're just dangling it in front of me like, oh, look at this. Ooh, yeah, something different, something different, and then it's gone. And I don't see that person again ever, or I don't see that person for another season or another few episodes, or you you, you just you want to play with the timeline, you want to play with alternate realities, and so now I'm seeing, uh, you know, Harrison Wells 3.0. You know what I'm saying? Like, it gets to the point where I start to not feel like I, I know anything or care about anything because it's going to change anyway. You don't commit. And that's why I'm just kind of like, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about this season. I really did enjoy that episode with Killer Frost. I really hope they bring that back into the fold because it's about damn time that Caitlin do something, <laughs> be something. Except you know, wine. interesting. Hell, even with Iris. Iris, I really enjoyed seeing Earth 2. Iris West, because I felt that that gave uh, Candace Patton a chance to show us that she can be very strong, and she can be this very you know empowered, sexy. She could be a boss. Whereas so far in season three, I have not seen any of that, and that they they broke a cardinal rule, a cardinal rule in the will they won't they, will they won't they. Ross and Rachel, Sam and Diane. The problem is, is that when you have an an ongoing romance that never quite works out, it's always this back and forth. There's always something that gets in between. You've set you've set a precedent, and the problem is, is that when that that love, that relationship becomes the prize, when it gets to the point where that person can have it. It loses all steam. It loses all power. It loses all intrigue. Because now that Barry and Iris are supposedly together, 
Nobody cares. Nobody cares. There's no, the chemistry, the heat, the love, the spark, the longing, the desire, it's all gone. Do you know what I'm saying? The moment it became available, it is now of no interest to us. And that's the thing. Yes. They sped through it. And, And think about this, right? Linda Park, haven't seen her, gone. What happened with Iris's boss? Gone. <laughs> go, go like, uh, right. you got rid of and what's you know, her name uh, that, that Barry was digging on, the the, the, uh, the the girl cop, you know. Patty. Patty. Yeah, she, and you know what? Patty, she, I actually thought, was a better fit. Now that I've been, you know, Netflixing and going back through the, you know, second season of, of Flash, just kind of flipping through on some episodes that I thought were really strong, I got to say, if you really think about it, if you really think about it, Patty was a better fit for Barry. I mean, she's cute, she's sweet, she's a dork, you know, <laughs> and it was adorable. It was adorable. It it just fit. And then even when they had that, that story arc that kind of gives her a little bit more of an edge as to her motivations, it, it it only behooves the character. It makes her more human. It makes her more raw. Like, oh, wait, wait. She's cute, but she's not an angel. She's not perfect. She wants to kill this guy for murdering her father. I mean, there, it gives her something. And then for, the, for her character to just up and leave, I was like, damn it. I mean, and ultimately, I understand that the whole, the epitome of, love in his life will always be iris i get that i understand so we'll always end up going back to that but as of right now the relationship it's just sputtering along it's just not interesting nothing's happening and i'm i don't know i'm i'm hoping that things change from here on out now that we've seen the potential but i i'm i'm concerned that it might not Folks, we we only do this because we love the show so much. We love this show. So we're we're ultra-critical of this. I got a question for Daryl. Well, hi. Iris is not supposed to get powers, but does she get powers? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, look, I'm waiting waiting for them to, to, to do to Joe West. What they did with James Olsen over in Supergirl, where Joe's oh. like, I got to do something. I, I, I feel it in my gut. You know, I, I, I've i learned never to think my gut. HR. Whoa. Oh, hey, hey let, let's stop the intelligent thinking. Joe, what does your gut say? He's gut man. What the hell is that, Flash? <laughs> And that, to me, that was something else right there. That's just, again, dangling, dangling that relationship between Kara and James, dangling that, that you know, doe-eyed crush, and then, boom, you move over from CBS to CW, and it's gone. And now we got Monel, the Daxamite. Now he crushing on her. Now he's looking at her like, hmm, I think I do want me some of that Kryptonian, you know. I mean, shit, Sorry, I just like I. I mean, you why, why if you're not gonna even commit to any storyline, then why why am I even gonna bother to to be so invested? And plus, Maggie's the hottest girl on the show anyway. Sorry, folks, you know, Ma- Maggie kicks ass and she's hot. So 
guys. Everybody, everybody's in second place right now. I know there's a lot of Supergirl worshippers there, but uh, Maggie's where fine. it's at. She's fine. She is fine. But you know what? Uh, kudos to Kyler. Kyler, who plays um, her sister Alex, Kara's uh, sister Alex. I got to say, in terms of her showing very strong acting chops, these last couple episodes where she was just so vulnerable and she felt so embarrassed and just so lost because it's like, wait, I mean, I liked you. I felt something for you. I was willing to come out for you. I, what do you mean? What do you mean you don't want to be with me? What do you mean you're not into me? Oh, my God. That, there were some some scenes I was just clapping, like applauding because those those scenes were so perfectly genuine and honest and vulnerable, and I was really impressed with her acting, I got to say. But you're right. You're right. Maggie, uh, what's her name? Floriana Lima? No, she is fine. <laughs> she is fine. <laughs> so I can see why she'd be crushing on, on her. On that note, let's go to a groove. Um, folks, you're listening to the Grindhouse edition we're all, we're all, we are all over the place. Uh, after the after the break, I want to talk about Snowpiercer. This move from graphic novel to 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 film, and now back to TNT TV. So I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, and there is an assertion that you know, let's see how long this lasts. They're saying that uh, the Korean cultural aspect should be maintained. I see it when I believe it, <laughs> but that's that's kind of how they're how they're promoting this. You gotta you gotta be careful nowadays. This is what they they you know. Do you promise TNT? We'll, we will see. Anyway, uh, this is "Don't Shoot" by Bo- Bodega Dream. More herb alt black rock. We'll be right back. Let's groove.
Okay, folks, we're back. Once again, Bodega Dream. Don't shoot. Don't shoot. This is the Grindhouse, folks. We're back. Feel free to join in on the conversation. 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. You know, before we speak about Snowpiercer making it from graphic novel to film and turning around to TV... Um, we would be remiss if we didn't mention Florence Henderson and, by extension, Ron Glass. Wow, talk about 70s television, uh, interestingly enough. I mean, Florence Henderson actually dates back to the, the early 50s as far as being a film and um, not so much television at that time, obviously, but uh, film and also a Broadway actress. But her iconic role as Mrs. Brady, Carol Brady, uh, wow, I mean... She she essentially was America's mom, you know, and um, you know, still very very uh, vibrant in advanced age. And I, I just expected her to stick around, but it appears that she died from heart failure on Thanksgiving. So uh, with a heavy heart, I mean, these folks uh, pass on, and you you realize that. I mean, I looked at the at the Brady bunch, uh, obviously um, uh, after after the initial air date and syndication, like everybody else. And it, some of it might have been somewhat hokey, but it did it did provide kind of a baseline traditional, well, in some ways traditional values. Although it was a blending of families, which is very much uh, the norm now. But back then, that was somewhat revolutionary to, to, to depict these families of two divorced parents that get together, remarry, and then they they make this family one. And, you know, there were some hokey things going on. And they also tried to address race and gender. So there were some things they were doing, again, albeit maybe in a hokey way. But it did set the standard, set the tone uh, of of episodic television. Um, as far as Ron Glass, I mean, I got hit so quickly at the top of the show from our, from the Uncanny. No idea. Ron Glass is, uh, as, as a man of color on TV during that time period, I mean, you looked at these people closely. You know, he was on Barney Miller. I mean, you, you know, there, was, there were a select few minority folk on, on episodic television in the 70s, 60s going into the 70s and the 80s. Now it's, it has become, well, you know, we, we still gripe about it, but it's far more normalized. Back then, the entire community would look at you. <laughs> you know, it was, it was a thing about seeing a black person on TV, especially in the mid '70s. So, um, and not and not a stereotypical role. He didn't play this this kind of uh, uh, hokey and jivey character. So, and then you know we saw him uh, still hanging around. You know, early '70s he was doing stuff like Sanford and Son and All in the Family, or you know he would he would do kind of a a one-off, good times and that kind of thing. But when he got the the Barney Miller gig, uh, he was on there for the entire entirety of the show. I think from like the mid '70s to the early '80s. Uh, the new Odd Couple with Damon Wilson, I remember that that he was involved in that. And then we saw him on Serenity, and even he was on. I thought he was, he was going to be a regular on Agents of Shield, believe it or not. So, wow, you know these people that you you, you kind of take for granted that they're always going to stick around. I I officially believe that 2016 is is turning out to be the final destination self-realized. Any thoughts about these people? 
Well, Carol? well, um, I was in the bar last week, and and um, sitting sitting down and talking to a friend of mine, Leo, and Leo brought up these things always comes in threes, and I was like, somebody forgot to give 2016 the message, you know, and this is before this came up because we have lost a lot of great stars this, this year. <laughs> I'm not even counting Leonard Nimoy and and um oh, name just slipped me. Uh um oh, what's his name? John not Reichman. Um oh, Alan Rickman. Because both of them died at the late half of, of, of two thousand fifteen. And then this year started, and it's just been an avalanche. It's been nonstop. You know, I, I I came to home to find my mom watching Brady Bunch shows. I was like, Mom, you don't watch Brady Bunch anymore. And that's how I found out Florence Henderson died. You know, today um, I'm just on Twitter, and it popped up. And I'm, I, I, I thought, no way, no, no, no. And that was about... Two and a half hours before we began the show, I found out about Ron Glass. You know, and and this the only the only thing the only way I can end what I'm about to say is by by saying one of his most famous lines, absolutely one of his most famous lines, and and folks bear with me because I may tear up saying it because. This, 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 if there's nothing else that represents Ron Glass or, or, um, book, it's, it's this one where he, he, he talks, he talks directly to, to, I, I, I think it was the girl. I think it was River uh, uh, talking to her about faith and, and. He just looks at her, and I got to paraphrase it. And he goes like, you have to believe into something bigger than yourself. And in that belief, that uh, uh, you hope that belief is so strong that it changes your life. Time this man was on screen. And he wasn't on screen in Firefly Fast Serenity enough for me, but I'm biased. Every time that man was on screen, he said something about either faith, a person, a feeling that made you, and I know people out there did it, you stopped and you thought about that. Even as you're into the next scene, you're like, wow, Shepard really just said something there that that hit me. I don't realize it hit me, but it hit me. And that goes to the writers, but it also goes to the actor, Ron Glass. Thank, just thank you. Back to you, Afrinard. All right. Um, let, let's move forward a little bit because of time constraints. Um, hopefully we can make it to the end of the year without any more pe- anybody else of, of note dying. Uh, Snowpiercer, based on the 2013, 2013 film with Chris Evans. Um, I, I'm, I'm highly intrigued about this TNT interpretation. And uh, as Claire had mentioned at the top of the show with her weekly roundup, you know, it, it started out with, uh, well, let's, let's go into to this Mary Sue piece. That's where I found out about this thing, that it was based on a French graphic novel, Les Transpersonnages, if I'm saying that correctly, <laughs> Les Transpersonnages, uh, 
uh, by, by Jacques Lowe, um, Benjamin Legrand, and Jean-Marc Rousset, or Rousset. Um, the TV show, which makes it interesting, there's, there's some names that pop up that I know Daryl might pay attention to, because my, my, one of my favorite series that I think would have lasted to this day, but it was re- released too soon because of where we are now, the zeitgeist is a, is a bit different. The Sarah Connors Chronicles on Fox going back to 2008. Was it, has it been that long? 2008, 2009? Yeah, it's been, it's been um, a minute. Remember, we've had two, wow. two Terminator movies since Sarah Connors Chronicles. But from Sucks. Yeah, that's but right. We've had two so, Terminators since Sarah Connors Chronicles. So we have Josh Friedman, who I actually uh, had a Twitter conversation about with because I was so distraught about the damn the way that season two of of Sarah Connor Chronicles ended, and it, it actually it was a, somewhat of a fight to try to keep that show on air. And I think it had maybe I don't know anywhere between five and seven million viewers. I mean that's another thing that's crazy too. Some of these 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 series that end up getting canceled actually had pretty respectable ratings. Even something like um, Constantine had fairly respectable ratings if you moved it to a different format, but I digress. Anyway, you have Josh Friedman. He, he, he's being brought on to assist in the writing of the pilot. But then, you know, it, it says that, um, and I'm, I'm going to read this verbatim. It's nice to see that the show will be maintaining much of its Korean voice thanks to the film's original writer-director being involved. So you have uh, Bong Joon-ho, Park Chan-wook, Lee Tae-hoon, and Doo-hoo Choi. So, you know, listen, this is almost analogous to my thoughts about Luke Cage, that when you have folks of color actually involved, uh, I know it's it's radical thinking, but but to have folks involved of color to, 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 to provide... Some, crit- some creative process for their stories, you might have, a, you might have an excellent product. You just might. So I'm going to be really paying close attention to Snowpiercer. Uh, what, what makes it even more interesting as well is that I'm assuming that Snowpiercer is going to have to be different in some way because we know it's, a, it's about a, a dystopic world uh, and, and all these races are intertwined on this, on this traveling worldwide train. This train is just moving along moving along this this desolate landscape and it's 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 these different uh races and I guess more importantly these classes of people. You know, the back of the the back of the train are the lower classes and towards the front of the front front of, front of the train are those of uh, part of the elite. So uh there's this war going on and, and, and the whole need to deconstruct this this class system. This couldn't come at a better time considering where we are politically. So there, I think there's a lot of things going on. Again, the zeitgeist is, is correct, and I, I hope that they maintain what, what, how they're, how they're uh, reporting this, that they're going to have a, um, an Asian presence, and you see that it's going to have enough people behind the scenes to kind of make this right. And I also, I also like Josh Friedman with what he did with uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles. So to me, it's set up to be uh, quite to be something. So I'm definitely going to be a supporter of it. Claire, any thoughts about Snowpiercer? 
Oh, I'm curious. I'm I'm very very curious, especially since you know it seems like they're trying to make a concerted effort to have you know an ethnic voice behind it, you know, in 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 its creative team. I'm I'm hopeful. I'm really hopeful. I'm hope I'm not I'm I'm not, you know, thinking about it too hard because hell, I mean, I've heard all the excuses from supposedly, you know, Asian producers and and whatnot regarding the Great Wall or Ghost in the Shell. I mean, we've heard all the excuses from Marvel in terms of Tilda Swinton, who was in Snowpiercer as well as Doctor Strange. So, you know, I'm 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 not gonna think too hard on it, but at the same time I'm gonna try to be hopeful because the movie was really interesting. It's really interesting. Um, I, I'm certainly curious as to how they would translate that into a serialized format. And um, and for those of you who haven't seen it, take a look at it. Take a look at it. I mean, so I've heard you know I've heard some people that just could not get into it for the life of them. Um, and it's just visually really at the very most at the very least of it in terms of whether or not you could understand or follow the story or the reasons why um, the reasons why they're on a on a train forever I mean people are people live and die born they are born and live and die on this train and the reason why is because in our efforts to combat global warming we put a chemical into the atmosphere, into the into the ozone or into the stratosphere that ended up creating a, a global freezing. So, in order to save whatever is left of humanity, a select few go onto this train and it just runs and runs and runs forever. Hence the name. It's a snow piercer because it pierces through all the snow that covers the earth. Anyway, it's a really interesting, you know, interesting story. Take a look at it. Take a look at the graphic novel. Um, and it had an international cast. It had Chris Evans. It had uh, John Hurt, Octavia Spencer. So, yeah, no, I'm definitely, definitely curious. Any thoughts, Cap? Uh-oh. Cap? Cap, any thoughts? Well, let's go to uh, Daryl B. I'm pretty sure he's uh, floating around somewhere. Any thoughts, oh. Daryl? Well, hey, I'm look, uh, uh, I'm just going to say I'm going to keep my eye on it. And I like I like the movie. The fight scenes were great. The, the fight scenes in Snowpiercer, to me, are great. I know. I know. Some people said they came off as hokey and stuff, but they, they captured the atmosphere and everything fine. And and I could see it like Battlestar Galactica if it's episodic, and the episodic format that could be like the new Battlestar Galactica with the feelings of being cramped, with the feelings of unrest, of unruliness. You know, the almost dark. That, that I mean, you're trapped on this train with, uh, 
I, I forget the total amount they said on the movie, but let's put it this way. A lot of different people, and most of them don't like you. <laughs> you know, that that would make for great. Who do you trust? Who do you go to? Who can, who can you rely on? Uh, do you always have to watch your back? To, oh, my God. And then you're dealing with hierarchies and, and oh, if done right, if done right. This could be a classic series for at least a season or two, if done right. And that's why I'm hopeful since they, they got the original creative team and the, the original visions for this, that TNT gives them the room to play with this. All right? Don't whitewash this. Don't, don't give me a sunny, happy ending here. This thing is supposed to be serious. This thing is supposed to be dour. But this thing is also supposed to be diverse. You hear me, TNT? We're watching. Back to you, Afrinerd. Cap, are you available? Yes. yes. Ready? The board was frozen. Okay. <laughs> Trust frozen, me. Like I, I know something about that. <laughs> any, any thoughts on to... Snowpiercer? Well... Class war, race war, right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> of course he begins it like that. Why? He wouldn't be capped if he wasn't. <laughs> Get to the back of the train. You peasant, you eat this. <laughs> the woman on the movie, you know, she, she remind, when she said something similar to that, she didn't say exactly that. She reminded me of the Queen of England, you know, to a certain extent. But anyway, that's just by the by. I thought the movie was just okay. Could have been a lot better. It was okay. You know, it was a really great concept. And I thought it should have should have been better. So as far as the series goes, it should be rather interesting. Because that's why that my rap alley. I, li- I like that type of stuff. Class war, race war, that type of thing. You know, lower class. Yeah, right up my alley. Right up my alley. You know, so it should be interesting, provided they do it. They do it well, you know, provided they do it well. It has to be up to snuff. It has to be up to snuff. They just switch it around. Let the Koreans be the top dog in it, you know? Let it, let it, let it, let it, right, at, right at the front of the train, the Koreans, right? That's what it is. There's a bunch of them. I mean, that would you know? be interesting. Yeah, that would be interesting. Hell, you know? that would be interesting. See, part of me, I haven't had a chance to watch. Um, have any of you, I've been meaning to ask you guys, have you seen, um, what was it, that Amazon show? It's based on that, um, uh, you know what I'm talking about, Philip K. Dick. He the did Man in the High Chair? All Adjustment Bureau, all these uh, the Man in the High Chair. Classic. Castle, man, the man in the, in the high, high castle. castle. Yeah. Man in the high castle, where it's an alternate reality, an alternate future in which we lost, we lost World War II to the Axis and the Nazis. The Nazis control one side of North America, and and the Japanese control the West side. And I, I have you, any of you seen that? Oh yes. No, I didn't I, see. I, I saw <laughs> a few. I saw. I saw like the very. I think maybe the first two episodes, and something about I loved it. I thought the acting was on point, but maybe the premise scares the hell out of me. The idea, I mean... See, I, I'm I, curious. I, I haven't seen I'm it. I'm serious. It's something, to me, I mean, you know, it's not like graphic like that. It's more, it's more of, a, of a mind F. 
But the thought that because it, it, the world is uh, this culture or the United States is being uh, is being split between the, the Japanese and the uh, the Germans. So uh, I don't know if they, I don't know if the Italians. I would think the Italians would be involved somewhere. I didn't, I didn't really see that part. But uh, the way that Americans have to transverse through through the culture because you know it's no more American flag. I mean you 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 see a Nazi flag on American soil and how everyone is in this. It, it's it's a society that you know if, if we did lose that war, it's it's a frightening prospect. So something about that I I, I thought it was intriguing and I liked it, but. I was like, man, this is like Freddy Freddy Krueger to me. That's why I want to see it. I want to see it because unlike unlike something like um, Inglorious Bastards, where you have Tarantino, you know, as the voice, and it's very much over the top, right? So we appreciate it for its, you know, Tarantino dialogue and its stylistic violence. So we appreciate it for that. But I'm very curious about things like this where, like um, on Hulu, 11-22-63, you're watching it and it, it, it just barely touches on this science fiction element of going back in time and somehow changing the course of history by preventing or diverting the assassination attempt of of, of JFK and how would that affect the future of our world and America and this and that. I, I, I'm intrigued by a more, a more grounded, more believable you know, expression of that. And the reason why is because it, it, you can tell, whether it be Stephen King or Philip K. Dick, it requires so much research, and you have to pull from all these different historical references and that that is why it makes the story as you said so scary so much of a mind f because you realize how could this have happened this could be our world this could have been our our future with just a couple different you know changes in 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 the course of history or in in, in how things have played out i mean that's why it's frightening because it really it really could have been this way. So I haven't had a chance to see it because I don't have an Amazon um, subscription. But I'm definitely going to take a look because you were talking about how, oh, let's get the Koreans in power. Let's, let, let's get them at the front of the train. Because, honestly, I've been researching, you know, yellow peril and how yellow peril has kind of permeated in American pop culture and in literature and in the media here and there, especially 20, 30 years ago, where you would see all these references of how there's a fear that Asians would take over the world. Asians would come into power. And you even kind of mentioned that last week, Daryl, with uh, Firefly. In Firefly, everybody speaks Chinese because they are the superpower of Earth. But there ain't no Asians on the show. Yeah, that's that's why I said TNT were watching because if you got this whole creative team and the thing looks like the cast of Gilmore Girls or or uh, or Beverly Hills 90210, I will sorely be pissed. I will really be pissed because Snowpiercer, you know, it's a diverse story. All right, 
please don't whitewash. Please don't ruin the stuff I love. And now that I said that, some Hollywood producers go, this is a great idea. All right. Hey, Miley Cyrus, are you up for this role? Oh, oh, God. Oh, oh. sorry. Well, exactly. Know, that's my fear is that they'll turn Snowpiercer into, uh, into Passengers. And let's get Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt up in there. I'm going to well, watch it with Chris Pratt. That's it. That's it. I'm not going to go there the way that uh, Child to the Blurred Girl, when she tried to, uh, you know, kind of do a one-upman thing, upmanship with me um, earlier this year at the Black Comic Festival when I spoke about um, what I thought Marvel's Black Panther should look like. Uh, I'm not going to go there. I think that, that, that at least you, you are hearing quite a few folks of color of uh, uh, Asian Americans uh, or Asians specifically that might produce the cultural standard uh, for this for this uh, TV series. And also, it makes me think that you know it's one thing for the movie to be one way, but sometimes these TV series surpass the movies, and you forget the movies. We forget that Mash, Mash was a movie that came out in 1970. No one ever talks about the movie. Most people talk about Alan Alda and Hot Lips in the Gang. From from the uh, I guess it was on maybe ten years or more, um, the CBS the CBS series. So this you might see where the you know the the, the exploration that many of us would want to see uh, with this story, you you might get a better product as a TV series as opposed to you know an hour and 90, uh, 90 minute film or what have you. So I'm I'm betting on it. You know. Um, and also TNT and uh, and uh, USA and AMC TV, they seem to know, they seem to kind of, they have a lot to prove. So I'm thinking this might be, I mean, you know, I, listen, <laughs> we, we, we always catch it, you know, when we want these things to work out and it might, may go left. But it sounds good. So I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that Snowpiercer on TV might actually be something. Um Moving forward a bit, you know, we, I did mention Black Panther and Angela Bassett. It gets called on to play the mom, and I, I you know, a lot of people, are, a lot of people are saying this somewhat jokingly that, I mean, who isn't in Black Panther at this point? Um, I, I will say this: I mentioned before, uh, you know, T'Chaka dying in Civil War was problematic to me because that's already changing the mythology a bit. Uh, the way he dies, you know, we saw that in Ultron, the 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 Claw character, Ulysses Claw character, was introduced, and we saw that he's missing a limb, courtesy of Ultron. So everything was lined up uh, for this character to kind of be set set as as a villain in uh, the Black Panther film. Um, but I would have loved to have seen someone like. Denzel Washington as T'Chaka. I mean, that would have been, if you got Angela Bassett, there's no there's no reason not not to have uh, Denzel. But um, you know, the, the character was, was kind of you know came and went uh, T'Chaka that is in Civil War. So you know, I, I, that's my own little pet peeve if there's ever going to be one. But th- to have this kind of um, these kind of people involved with this film, I mean, you have some really top flight actors. So I'm I'm just hoping that. Uh, at the very least, Black Panther does Doctor Strange money. You know, maybe even surpassing it. But I, I would want, I just know how these things work out. I, I, I got a little clear in me where it's like, 
you know, now that Trump is in office, I had to make that connection, but when they start seeing an all-black cast on screen, uh, it better work. Don't mess this up. I, I'm very, I'm, <laughs> Just chant it. Don't mess this up. And for folks, uh, Angela Bassett is playing his mom. We can't uh, urge people enough for more about his mother. All right, you're checking out. You check out the current series by Ty Nahisi Coates. I always butcher that name. My my fault, Mr. Coates. Also, check out the Priest Run. We we can't tell you people out there enough. You have to check out the Black Panther Priest Run. (laughs) Please, before this movie comes out, go and check out the Christopher Priest Black Panther Run. Must essential reading. Back to you, Afternoon. I had to give that PSA. Well, and, and something else too, with Ryan Coogler being connected to this. I mean, he's he's a relatively young guy. Um, uh, he seems to have a pretty pretty decent skill set. My only concern is the juggling of multiple characters, like the Russo brothers, um, and and um, uh, why am I forgetting his name? A uh, Joss Wheaton. You you see clearly that those two those two sets of, of of creators they they are very adroit in juggling multiple characters so much to the point where you you never felt like someone was wasn't having their moment so when you start to have all these multiple characters that's my concern is that will he be able to convey that uh, Brian's Brian's uh, singer not so much that's one of my pet peeves and, and again Claire and I we spoke about this before. He absolutely sucks. I mean, re- <laughs> reprehensible when it comes down to, you know, Halle Berry, you know, just the, just the face. Uh, Jubilee, we just saw her yellow jacket. That's the only way we knew it was Jubilee. Uh, did Psylocke actually say any words or maybe a couple of utterances? I mean, you know, that's my, that's my, my, my issue with him. So I, I just hope that Ryan Coogler doesn't do that for this film. And... Uh, T'Challa's mother plays a qu- quite a significant role in the in the mythology and in the book, so it's not like you have to have her there and she's just kind of face value. I mean, she should be regal, obviously, and have some very important lines and very important moments dramatically with T'Challa. You know, uh, but uh, again, I, I don't think Daryl. Do you think it's a, it's a it was a problem? That T'Chaka dies in Civil War, but that no, that I thought messed I, up. I, I messed actually, up the, I the actually setup. like that. I like that to give it gravitas. My problem is with the scene on the snowbank with with Black Panther and Zemo. That was my problem. That's the only Black Panther related problem I had in this. I'm like, this is the dude that orchestrated the death of your father. As a side piece, it wasn't a direct attack, and you just did that. It's it's redemption, but you would have liked to see him like throw him in jail or do something to tie it up. That was too. I know they were broken reflections of one another, but still, but still, it didn't give me closure. It's the one part of the movie I was like. Well, okay, death of crossbones too. But th- th- this one, I was like, come on, T'Challa's going to do more. 
the, the, if you're going the essence of T'Challa, his moves are represented of more than like at the moment. He's the ultimate strategist in the Marvel universe. All right. If if Steve Rogers is the ultimate combatant, and and uh, Iron Man uh, Tony Stark is the ultimate futurist. T'Challa is the ultimate strategist. And I hope Ryan Coogler is taking that into account because with this lineup, with all these actors, yes, there's 90% black because we're in Africa, idiots. But I hope you got a strategy. I hope you can implement it. This thing has got to be bonkers. Again, another See, Dell that's PSA. What, that's what sorry. makes me laugh. It's like it, it, it's people can't quite wrap their minds around. Oh, it's going to be a, an all or ninety nine percent black cast. Really? Yeah, it's in Africa. <laughs> it's in Africa. Do you know? I mean, geez. I mean, like I I already get irritated when people call season one of Luke Cage too black. There's too much of the blackness. It's overwhelming. But, I mean, for this, I mean, Africa? Like, Africa. Why would that be called into question? But here's the thing. I I really think that this is such a great, great casting choice. I'm so thrilled because originally, back in the day, you know, 16 years ago, I would have wanted Angela over Hallie for Storm. That was me back in the day thinking, like, how much I love the animated series of X-Men and hearing the voice and that regal way in which she presents and carries herself. I was thinking Bassett over, you know, Halle Berry. So for whatever reason, at the time, Halle was the top, quote-unquote, black actress, so it was obvious that they were going to choose her even though there were other options that would have more appropriate. But for this, I, I, I don't think that Kugler, I mean, I, he would be a fool to waste Angela Bassett. He would be a fool to waste Lupita Nyong'o or that, uh, that woman from Walking Dead. Uh, forgive me, I, I butcher her name. I think it's Denai Gura. But... I mean, he would be a fool to waste this talent and prestige to be just sideline characters. But back to you, Daryl, I totally agree. I totally agree that when, when, when the U.N. building blows up in Civil War and Black Widow is trying to calm, you know, Black Panther's tension, his, 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 his rage, he says something about how you know, in terms of death, it's just, it's not the end or whatever, and, and something about, something very spiritual, philosophical, existential. He says something like, you know, my father would say this, and my father would say that, and then there's a moment, and he puts, he, he's, you know, the, he, the ring, he has the Black Panther ring, and he's like, but I am not my father. And there's that, just that spirit of just anger and seeking justice and wanting to take revenge all of that. With that, I felt like it was a bit of a letdown, that conversation with Zemo in the snow. I, 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 I totally agree with you, Daryl. I totally agree. That was kind of like 
okay, not really not really the way in which I wanted this to wrap up, all things considered. But, you know, well, that's why that's why it's going to be all the more exciting to see how how they establish Wakanda in 2018. <laughs> yeah, I think that um well, this 2017 is is literally around the corner, so uh, I'm just going to have to just wait another year for this thing to come forward, but I'm excited about it. But at the same time, you know, I guess my issue with the way the story could have been was going back to the mythology, mythology, or even going back to the cartoon, which was based on the Reginald Hudlin arc. Um, and I even reached out to Reginald Hudlin. We we spoke through DMs, and he's willing to come on the show. I, I got I have to reach out to him. I guess the reason why I haven't really been pushy about it is because he was he was adamant about not really wanting to speak about Black Panther. So I think he might have some feelings about who ended up getting the gig because he's a rather proficient director in his own right, and I suspect that he probably wanted something to do with it. And being that he had the cartoon, he was, he was uh, the, the president of entertainment at BET, I believe, at one point. Or the BET and they of shafted him. At, at, and they shafted him. Let's call it spade. They shafted the cartoon. Yeah, and all, and also, also, um, well, yeah, BET was not a great fit. For, I mean, it, it would have been great for BET to get something like that to expand what BET is about. But I don't, I'm not going to go into my feelings about BET. I'm not even going there. It, it, it's well documented. I, I don't really care for BET. What, what it, what it is, and what it should be, and what it could have been. But uh, with the mythology of of um, of the character, you know, the fact that his father. Again, was the king, had a close relationship with, with T'Challa, um, was killed in front of his face rather tragically by Claw. I think that would have been more compelling than this kind of one-off Zemo uh, kill. Something about that, it, it, well, it, it, it conflicts with the actual origin of the Black Panther. That's why I felt like, I don't, I don't understand why it went down the way it did for Civil War. And also, you know, the, the, the actor was okay, but uh, T'Chaka is supposed to be, you know, a guy that can kind of still get in that suit, or at least look like looked a little bit more physically imposing. So, you know, whatever. I can I can think of pick things here and there. Um. Anyway, uh, Cap, any thoughts about Angela Bassett, and then we'll move forward. I want to talk about Westworld. Is he stuck again? I think. Yeah, there he can is. you hear me? Yep, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think Angela Bassett is a good choice. Or is that, you know, in respect to that, you know, it's a good choice. It's, uh. Is, you think it's too much, though? So, too many, no, too not many at all. A-listers? No, not at all. Not at all. The movie at this given point is front-loaded. Let's see what it, let's see what it has to offer. Going back to that scene Daryl B. was talking about. You know what it showed to me? You you black guys always like to forgive. <laughs> oh, here we go. You know, that's what I got from it, man. That's what I got from it, man. Oh, man. Me personally, me personally if, let's say for the real-life situation, I'd have said, you know what? Killing you is a mercy. Off with your arm, off with your foot. You understand? I'm going to throw you in prison. I'm going to torture you for, for a while, and that's how you're going to live. That's me personally. If it was a real-life situation, I wouldn't have killed him. Killing him is a mercy. You know, you just don't run around and kill people. It's a mercy a lot of times. Look how fast you die. 
you know? I take your arm off, zoom. Take your ankle off, you know, zoom. All right, let's throw them in prison. You know, think about that for a little while. A little bread and water situation. We give you some milk on every second day. Every second day. And that's how we deal with you. You understand what I'm saying? Go in the cellar every now and then, bust your face up, let you heal up, do it again. You know, that's it. Kill my father. That's how I got to deal with it. That's how I got to deal with it, you know? That's all me personally. Yeah, on on that violent note, folks, this week <laughs> this week Wednesday, Ultimate Squared got released. So, folks, Marvel, the Ultimates are back. Al Ewing's back writing it. It, uh, I can't say anything else about it. You have got to see the Black Panther Captain Marvel scene in this book. That <laughs> very well done. All right, you know what? Uh, more groove. Folks, uh, I see we have some calls as well. When we get back, I want to actually get into this Westworld deal. You know, I, there, there's this um, this online theory or, or online theories that blew my mind. I, I don't know, I don't know what to think because it, it, you know it, it makes sense what what I've been reading, uh, especially since last week's episode. But um, part of me hopes that it's not exactly the way that these online theories are are, are positioning. This 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 deal with what we're looking at. I mean, you know, <laughs> again again, you know, looking at this thing, you 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 literally think it's one way, and it might completely be something com- something completely different. That, that that there's a time issues like you know we you think you're looking at things in real time and you might not be, and some folks aren't aren't who they appear to be. So uh, I, I you know, <laughs> I think we're going to have to talk about it for a minute. Anyway, uh, oh wow, I don't, I don't see the song that I actually uploaded coming on. Anyway, I'm not gonna play any Christmas music yet. <laughs> I'm not really, I'm not really up for that. But I know that's the, it's, it's that time of year. All right, um, oh here we go. This is uh, entering the purple room for about two minutes. His royal badness, a remix. Get off. We'll be right back. Let's groove.
But in the series, he he, he for, let's say other, let's say do another reveal. He appears to be a human. He's a wealthy, longtime guest that's trying to figure out the maze or the purpose of Westworld. Some, there's some greater meaning to Westworld. And I think it's connected to um, to Anthony Hopkins' deceased partner. So if we're led to believe that we're looking at looking at different episodes, not episodes, but different uh, segments in the story, that they're not... You're led to believe that it's, that it's a fluid thing, that it's, you know, Maeve in one moment, and then it's, it's uh, you know, it's Bernard, another moment, that everything's coexisting. But now, based on this theory, they're saying that you're, you're actually looking at certain things maybe 30 years ago, 30 years in the past, maybe in the current, maybe 30 years in the future, maybe current. They're saying that the the character that is uh, a bit naive, um, William. William, and he has he has a, a a partner who's a little bit more sadistic, Logan. William is falling in love with the Dolores android. The theory is that what you're looking at is actually the man in black 30 years ago. Because Dolores, it is referenced that Dolores, Dolores has been there pretty much since the inception of that park. And they're, they're even showing, um, they're showing online, online GIFs or GIFs or whatever of, of uh, the Ed Harris character morphing into the Jimmy Simpson, a.k.a. William character. I, that would blow my mind if, if, if those two are the same person. That that the, the the reluctant kind of moral, the reluctant kind of moral guy that's falling in love with that android, that he becomes kind of demented via Ed Harris. But I think that's a stretch. But there's a lot of theories out there that say that that might be the case. The constant going back and forward in time. Anyway, I'm just going to go there. Uh, Daryl, what wouldn't are your be, thoughts about? Wouldn't be the first time we we we've seen that. I mean, Lost used it effectively uh, until the last season. Lost did that effectively, where they they put scenes in purposely to lead you the wrong way. <laughs> like, wait, this is, it's sort of like uh, I forget I forget where it came from. A cat probably knows knows where where uh, where it originally the, uh, this meme came from. But but I know I know Watchmen use it effectively. Where you see the heroes fighting in, and they're fighting valiantly, and they they look like they're about to stop the villain, and the villain goes, "I pushed the button like 36 minutes ago." So everything was for naught, you know. I I know that came from something else, and Watchmen borrowed it later. But but that's what this feels like because uh, like you. The Jeffrey Wright scene, when that happened, I was like, holy Battlestar Galactica, I did not see that coming. Like, I did not see that coming. I really did see it coming. And, and I, here I am. I was thinking, I'm like, the Ed Harris, 
Ed Harris's character, that's gotta be that's gotta be a robot. It's gotta be a host. That this is impossible. And I'm busy thinking about that. And then the the Jeffrey Wright scene happens, and I'm like, oh, where did that come from? That blindsided me. I know some folks say it's slow, but this is an intellectual chess show right now. You don't know who you like. You don't know who you dislike. You don't know who you could trust. You, you, you don't even know about the battle that's going on. And my Maeve, uh, a.k.a. Tandy Newton, it's about to upset the whole apple cart. Everything you know could be changed by the next show. That's, I thought I had a handle on six. Seven, I was like, okay, forget everything I knew about six. This, this, this is what's going on with seven. And then uh, show eight goes, and I just turned over the table like, you know what? Uh, I'm stopped trying to predict this stuff now. Uh, I'm done. This, this, what the hell? But I'm still going to tune in and watch because <laughs> this, this is that crazy. Back to you, Afro nerd. Listen, I'm trying to keep this stuff clean. <laughs> Sandy, <laughs> Sandy Newton, walking around so comfortably, nude. Oh, God. Already put this, it, 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 <laughs> Listen, it's not much. As, I love the show. I'm gonna be, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be nice. Just keep, just keep doing what you're doing, Sandy. That's all I got to say. For me, <laughs> per- personally. That means, that means a lot to me for some reason. I'm like, I, I, first of all, I'm trying to figure out, because, you know, Sandy Newton is, is, a, is a, an accomplished actress. I mean, that's, that's like a, I, that's a heavy-duty thing, man. I, you know, I mean, listen, she has nothing to be ashamed about, that's for sure, but that's, that's That is for damn sure. I mean, she's being walked around, walked around, like, just walking around naked all day. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know, that I takes it. a certain amount, a certain amount of meditation and, like, just zen to be so completely comfortable in your skin, in your body, to be butt-ass naked, walking around this building, up and down the stairs and the elevator and the hallway. <laughs> I was like, you go, Tandy. You go, Tandy. Hey, I, I want to live in this country, except for the murderous robots that will eventually kill me later. But and, and, for the, for and, the and, hours that I'm alive, it's a beautiful dream. And for, and, and for the women, and for the women, you have robotic junk floating around. So floating I, you know, around. All, all, all love is all, all fair in love and war. So I mean, there's, there's enough male uh, robotic. Business. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Around. Remember when uh, so. um, he, uh, he, Bernard, his his former his former assistant Elsie. Remember when she was trying to like do a little tinkering? Oh yes. And yeah. That, oh, and, yeah and the bartender, he the he, the machine is off his uh, his alignment, so he's pouring yeah, the pitcher, sure. but it's spilling all over. And she's like, oh, you're like still a few millimeters off. And she's trying to figure this out, and then like his the, the the brother, his junk is just right there, like just right there, like inches from her face. And she's like, I mean, 
it would just be <laughs> such a waste. Mm, such a waste of talent. Oh, oh my goodness, girl. <laughs> Claire had to bring up that scene now. Oh, oh, God. Oh. If you're going to talk about Miss Tandy, if you are going to talk about Miss Tandy, then we ha- hey, hey, turn in the other cheek. Turn in the other cheek. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> That's what you said. Exactly. <laughs> uh, to, to, our, to our listeners, I see, I see quite a few calls uh, on hold. If you'd like to join in, again, we're talking about Westworld. Uh, you, know the, you know the drill. Just press 1. Uh, that way we know that you want to join in. Um, Cap, any thoughts about uh, how this is going, some of these theories with Westworld that we're actually looking at? I mean, that's just one theory that we're looking at multiple. See, I guess what Daryl talked about when he, when he, when he referenced, um, what, what was it that the, the – um, you just mentioned it about Lost. time. Lost yeah. how they, See, lost, they would – they put in a scene. Yeah, what? You're following it. They put in a scene where you're like, oh, okay, that makes total sense. And then a couple of shows later, oh, that, that thing happened this this time ago. Or that, like, so that wasn't linear? Damn, that was a mind F. You know? Well, uh, that's what only, I see Westworld doing. My only thing with Lost is that Lost was a bit more jarring when they did that. Like, I knew... That you know, it was more more like more like a uh, telegraphing as to you, you know this is a different time, but with with um, Westworld it's seamless. So you just think that all of this is happening simultaneously. That uh, Maeve is on uh, is naked on the other side. I had to say she's naked, naked on the other side of the park, and that uh, the James Morrison is way in the desert somewhere, messing around with with uh, with the man in black. I mean, you're thinking all of this is happening at the same time, so it's it's a bit too seamless. Robotic orgies, all this stuff is going on same time. Now we're led to believe See, it gets, that it gets confusing. It gets confusing because ultimately, ultimately within each host, and that's what, that's for those of you who don't watch the show, that's what they call the robots. They're hosts of the park. So it gets confusing because initially, when you watch the show in the setup. It is Groundhog Day. It's the same thing repeated over and over and over because they have a specific storyline that they follow and that they just play it out and perform it and interact and improvise with each guest based on their personality and they play off of that. So it gets a little confusing already in in and of itself. But when I heard that theory, because, yes, I heard that theory as well on um, Screen Junkies, that that there's little clues here and there. There's clues that when we first meet William, who is played by Jimmy Simpson, great actor, character actor. You've seen him on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia as the weirdo. You've seen him on House of Cards as the hacker. So he's a great actor, and he he's kind of the innocent compared to his, his uh, well, I guess they're not really friends, are they? But compared to Logan, who... He's much more cynical, and he, when he goes to the park, he just wants to let loose and enjoy himself, meaning that he wants to play into every, every bit of primal, like primal instinct of human behavior. He's just killing, killing the host, screwing the host. You're like, he just, whereas William is more of this, you know, sweet, you know, he, he knows that they're robots, but he still behaves 
and treats them with dignity and respect as if they were human. So the little clues at the very beginning, he has to decide, do you want to be a white hat or a black hat? Little things like that. The, the hostess at the, at the entrance, if you forget, she's the same girl later on talking to uh, James Marsden and Ed Harris, and he says something like, oh, I would have thought that they would have re- retired you by now. So now that I'm hearing the theory that this is not all within the same timeline, that this is a, an uh, alternating between two different timelines, now I'm starting to wonder, like, well, maybe that does make sense because do you remember the um, – I know the actor's name. His name is Clifton Collins, Jr., great actor he's he's in a lot of stuff he plays the he plays the mexican guy lawrence, lawrence. lawrence not, right not the not Rod, not rodrigo santoro who plays the guy you know the the bad guy the villain but uh lawrence the guy he kind of he he had as a companion and then he gutted him to to get his his blood or quote unquote whatever right. you want to call that so if you think about it, it's like we see him with the man in black, Ed Harris. And then all of a sudden, we see him again, fully, you know, regenerated, normal, Restore, whatever. Restored. Restored with Dolores and William. So now that I've heard this theory, and I'm going back, and I'm, I'm kind of like piecing things together, I don't know if I want it to be that. I don't know if I want that to come true. But it does kind of make sense. I got to say, it's a very intriguing theory. I like it. Yeah, that's what bothers me, is that it it comes off as if this might be a very plausible theory, that we're looking at different moments in time. And I guess I I would be disappointed that um, that the the character – I just mentioned his name. (laughs) Uh, ah, What's his – William. That William is this kind of likable, affable guy, and then he ends up being sadistic, which could be, which makes sense because I mean, you know, Ed Harris is, I mean, you but know, he's, a, he's been I in mean, for thirty he was years. Horrible, a monster. He's been you in know, for like the years. way he was treating the, Dolores in the earlier episodes. And, and I the, mean, that was pretty hideous. Well, well, well that would be the, well, that would would be what's ironic is that he's so loving to this android. And that 30 years later, I mean, she doesn't age, so she's the same person. And uh, he, you know, he's like, you know, giving her, giving her the business. And actually, he becomes more worse than his, his, his partner, Logan. So, I mean, if, if that is the case, it hasn't been confirmed, but that might be what's going on. So, you know, and, and also this kind of plays into uh, the Nolan brothers as, as to how they do things. You know, that... Um, you know, Jonathan Nolan, Chris Nolan's brother, uh, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, they created uh, this iteration of Westworld. And the Nolans, going back to Memento, they have this whole deal with always repeating and recurring. It's like a weird, I don't want to call it a trope, but it's something they, they rely on. And it, it can be quite confusing. Something. You're right. It's a device. It is a story device that the Nolans seem to always fall back into in different iterations, whether it be Memento or Inception or Interstellar, they always like to play with the idea of time and how to express it in a non 
nonlinear fashion. Yeah, the beginning, the, the beginning of their films is actually the, the end, and you have to go backwards. I mean, I think there's even uh, – I think there's a DVD of Memento because, you know, I'm not going to go into the whole Memento thing, but uh, it's a great film. But I believe there's a special DVD that actually plays Memento uh, backwards front, front forward. Back. Like other, yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, that's even interesting within itself. Anyway, let's go to one of our DMV listeners, 703. No, you got to go to me first, man. Come on, man. <laughs> well, hold on. I'll, I'll, go, 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 no, 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 no. No, go to the DMV listener. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Well, we, you know, we're all, uh, we all know each other here. Uh, welcome to the Grindhouse. Is this uh, Bison or uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> 703, are you there? I don't know. Maybe you dropped off? Okay, I'm here. I tried. This is Bison. Apologies for that. You should know That's who all right. I am by now. But I will defer to the great captain. I will be on hold while he pontificates on Westworld. I can hold on. <laughs> Cap. Nah, now you have the floor. You understand? It's all about the energy. You got the energy now. No, I don't. <laughs> all right, let's I, get to this. I, I'm not watching Westworld, uh, so I don't want to um, suck the uh, air out the room or comment on that, something oh. I haven't seen. I was going to comment on something else later on. All right, let's go Let's go to uh, the all Cap, right. and then we'll go to, uh, to Bison. <laughs> this this, was this dance you two are doing. Yeah, that's well. The it's, dance was caused by you. <laughs> so turn on the right. music, Afro Nerd. So let's go. Yeah, I know. Well, let me tell you something. Go ahead. First, I got to say this. Right. I'm gonna let the air out of the room with respect to Westworld. Too bad you don't like it. Too bad. Now, first of all, I think Westworld is very well shot. It's beautiful. You have great actors. I fell asleep two times watching this show because it's boring, it's slow, and to me, it's predictable. But it's shot very well, and you have great actors. You take the 1973 version and you take the 1982, you know what, 19, what happened in 1982? Blade Runner. You have Westworld. Replicants have memories. So the theory makes sense. You know, it ultimately makes sense. And that's also predictable. It's also very predictable at this given point. You know, Jeffrey Wright's character, what that happened, predictable. Very predictable. You know, but you have great acting. And it's shot so well. So that's what holds me in respect to this. So far as the theory is concerned, it's definitely very possible. And they need to throw something extra in there that you can't see coming. But you remember people who have watched these movies, who have watched the 1973 version, and also watched Blade Runner, you know what's going on with this. You pretty much know what's going on. But again, it's the great acting and how well it is shot. From my perspective, what holds you? Anything else that they're doing on there is just whatever, as far as I'm concerned. So you do need to throw something in there to spice it up, to jazz it up, for my taste, that I can't see what's coming. Because I see everything that's coming at this, at this given point. That's all. Back over to you, Afro. All right. I just want to say one other thing, too, about uh, Westworld, and I pass the mic to Bison, that, um, you, you know, the, the part that, that's, that's uh, intriguing to me is that the Jeffrey Wright character he, if you remember early on in the early on in the show, we were led to believe he was human, and that he was acknowledging, acknowledging. Um, uh, why am I forgetting his character's name? The blonde woman, uh, Dolores. 
he was he was acknowledging or measuring Dolores's awareness. So how how do you how are you an android, not knowing you're an android, and you are doing the the Turing test? If I remember that, that correctly, and I think that's like a real test, the Turing test to determine if uh, something is is self-aware. So he's already this is already next level beyond uh, Blade Runner. Because Blade Runner always had a human. Well, actually, you know, you know what? I'm, I'm answering my own question because ne- because we're, we're led to believe that the Harrison Ford character was indeed a replicant, and he was giving the the Turing test to several replicants, in, including one that he uh, he ended up falling in love with. So uh, we see this again with with the Jerry Jeffrey Wright Bernard character te- testing. The humanity of the Dolores character, even though he himself doesn't, he doesn't know that he too is an android. So, I mean, that that to me is is pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, you have to kind of get through the lull. There's a lull with several episodes, and because it, it, the, the constant on repeat, you have, to, you have to get past that. Once you get past that, it gets really cooking. Now I have no difficulty looking at at um, Westworld. And also, listen, I, I love androids. Uh, Sunday night is android night because you have humans, and even humans is cooking up under a similar premise. And also, Jim and Chan is fine. Anyway, Sandy Newton <laughs> and Jim and Chan, beautiful <laughs> androids. I got to make that connection. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Anyway, back to Bison. I'm good. Why don't you just get Pornhub and call it a day deeper? Go. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I no want to comment. say this. I no think, comment. Go ahead. I, I don't know what that I is. Go ahead. Yes, you do. Um, no, I don't. I think, I don't. to be honest, I think the um, androidish human trope in sci-fi has been done to death. Here we go. Here we go. No, defecating, well, defecating on my happiness. No. Go ahead. I'm not defecating on it. I'm just stepping on it. Um, but I'm not, I, I saw one episode of Westworld, and it just, I'm the kind of guy, if it doesn't grab me, doesn't grab me, I sort of move on. I may binge it in the near future, but right now I just don't have an interest. Because I think HBO is looking for the next cash cow after um, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. And, and this may or may not be it. I don't have a, a crystal ball. Um, but I think we as um, geeks, sci-fi fans, what have you, it's so few shows out there that television networks give a chance. I'm wondering if Westworld is really that good or is just overpraised. I don't know. That's season just... two. Yeah, but, you season know. Two, season two. Season two. The only thing about it is that I think it's going to be, what, 2018, Claire, where this thing is uh, is going to be – Coming out season two, I mean, it's going to be a, a lull, like how Sopranos. Yeah. There was a lull with Sopranos. I think that's the only problem that I have is that it's going to take take some time. But um, to be well, you fair to you, Bison, I fair to you. I understand where you're coming from. And something about it had me stick around because I would. I had to admit I slept through uh, like several episodes two or three times until I like was able to stay awake long enough to actually get into it. But if you're able to persevere, you get to these, hey, I'll, to these I'll later episodes. Hey, I'll quit altogether. I begged you. You, 
You mentioned a movie that's it's in my saw, top five saw robo- of all you time. Saw, you saw you saw robotic junk, Claire, and woke up. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned a movie that was in my is in my top five favorite all time, um, Blade Runner, which is going to have a sequel or prequel come out late next year, which at first I thought was not necessary. But now who I see is attached to it, I'm getting very, very interested. And Who's if that attached does, to it, bye. Um, the director who did Sicario is directing it. Sicario. Oh. oh, damn. I didn't hear that. Yeah. There it goes. That was yeah. a good movie, by the way. Good movie, Ooh. Sicario. Yeah. And I think he did Arrival, I think. I think he did Arrival, directed Arrival. But, I, um, have, I, I, have to eat, I have Crow on Arrival, too. Amy Adams, that that was good. That was good. I I got an E-Crow. I went and checked it out as a matinee. It was good. And I'm still, I I thought that was just, you know, I still think it's almost sacrilege to touch that movie. It's one of the best standalone sci-fi non-franchise films ever. But... I may give it a chance. And I, something tells me, the, I mean, I know these are separate, but if that does well, I think that may just give Westwood a whole new audience. Because I just don't think, I haven't been hearing a lot about numbers. I know HBOs don't really do numbers that much. But I don't, I don't hear buzz on Westworld. I hear it in our community, but I don't hear it in TV watching in general. It's not must-see TV, but it comes on Sunday, so you know what it's going against. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's going against Walking Dead and Sunday Night Football, so that's a lot. Um, but I don't know if it's is it a slow burn or is this something is, that you would recommend to a non-sci-fi friend to watch? Oh, you know what? That that's a good point, Bison. We we are we are totally sci-fi, so to us it intrigues us. You know, I don't know how a non-sci-fi guy would get into this. You know, at least with Battlestar Galactica, you had enough action to lure them in. This is very, very brainy. I can answer that question. I've come across some colleagues in the last couple of weeks that are asking me questions about Westworld, and these folks were not sci-fi heads by any stretch of the imagination. So somehow they got caught up in this thing. Folks that you just, you know, some of the, some of the stuff is, is, you know, very cerebral. And I, and I have folks that are coming up to me that are saying, hey, you know, asking me questions. I mean, it is becoming a, it is becoming a phenomena, phenomenon, and uh, these folks I would, would, would clearly not be sci-fi people, but they're asking me questions about it. So I think it might be transcending that, that, that hurdle that you're talking about. There are folks that are into this thing, not sci-fi heads. I think that, oh. the, 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 the hump is you have to get – you kind of have to be not sleepy. And just and just deal with it. It's that Nolan thing, the, the constant repetition where the androids are rebooting and repeating these scenarios for the for the hosts. I mean, for the guests. That part is a little bit. It's, it's a little bit of a re, of a redundancy going on. But once you get past that, it is. It's the the the, the performances are stellar, and the look of it is a beautiful looking. I mean, you know, it's, it, you you would want to see this on a big screen. That's how good it looks. I have to give it up. And I'm with Bison, yeah, and with Bison on, it's a great reminder for me to tell the crowd. Wednesday, Romulus Two comes out. Mister Hill's book, I recommend it. 
and Mask One comes out. For for us fans of the, the cartoon and stuff like that, if you haven't paid attention to IDW's revolution, Mask spins right out of that. So Mask 1, Romulus Issue 2, Wednesday. Moving things forward, hey, we got about 10 minutes from... Go ahead, Bice, we got about 10 minutes remaining. I want to get to a, one more topic. What's up? No, I'll just, I'll just mute myself and listen. Go ahead. All right, um... One one more was a few more things. So if we get get this in here, uh, we did mention at the top of the show the CW crossover event starting Monday: Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, and of course Legends of Tomorrow. Um, Cap, what what are your thoughts about how this is going to go down? And I, I will say that even the, even the CGI for TV is you know I'm I'm kind of in, I'm, I'm into it. I'm into it. Well, it has me intrigued. I thought the trailer was all right, but I had to say to myself, wait a minute, it's not a movie. Slow down, Captain. It's TV. So I went from all right and say it looks good, you know? I, I had to catch myself. <laughs> I had to catch myself, you know? So it, it, gives you that, it, it gives it was you that good. feel. It, 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 it does it give good. you that feel. I, I, have, I have to admit that, you know, uh, I made the same mistake. I kind of had to – I mean, if you saw some of the reaction videos to the trailer – I mean, this is—I mm-hmm. mean, this is—you know, this is the, this is the geeks' world. Anything like this, they go crazy. But it, they made it seem like it was a better Independence Day too. I mean, it's, it may, maybe it is actually considering. <laughs> well, it may, it may be it may be better than that movie because that movie was crapola. But the the trailer was a bit more exotic. Their trailer, far as you know, way everything is done. There was more money behind it. You know, that's why. But anyway, you know, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm gonna watch. I'm definitely gonna watch. <laughs> you know, definitely gonna watch, man. There's, some, there's something else too that I don't know if it's out there. I mean, I'm pretty sure the geeks know about this, but they they have this other alternate trailer or this alternate footage that shows that these that these creatures, these these aliens, in a, in a Roswell moment, yeah, the Dominators, that that they in they were they visited Earth, you know, maybe in the well, you know, like Roswell, 1947. So they show, okay. like, um, they show. You can find it, they show full stock footage of the of the of the army fighting these same dominators forty or fifty. Well, in this case, eighty years before uh, the heroes fight them, and it looks grainy, black and white stock footage. So they, they are, they're going to the they're going to the hills for a TV show, and again they know. That they're going to that these crossover events, they've already embraced it. Now, why DC can't do this as seamless on the film front, one never knows. But for for TV, somehow they get it. TV and cartoons they can do. A damn movie, they seem not to be able to do. I'm just saying. Anyway, Claire, any any thoughts about? Well, it's, you know, it is what it is. I'm I'm, I'm invested in next week. I'm, I say straight up. CW has my has my viewing attention. Same. Especially Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah. Right? Hey. Right? Hey, it's Flash first, Legend second, Supergirl third, Arrow fourth in my eyes. Actually, I'm, right. I'm kind of – I think I think that – I mean, there's, there's some hokiness attached to Supergirl, but I will say season, season two for me – with the way that that it embraces 
the mythology is better than season one. And even the it seemed like he went more full tilt with the CGI on a on a on a cheaper network than when they did on on a, uh, CBS. Or is that just my imagination? Okay. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I agree. Can't, can't argue. I agree. They're leaning. They're leaning into it harder now that they know that they're they have the proper audience. Because when you're on CBS, CBS is not your people. It's not your audience. <laughs> so it's not like they're gonna. You, why are you gonna try to cater to a bunch of people that watch, you know, um, NCIS, uh, CSI. You know what I'm saying? CSI, Criminal Minds. All these uh, legal, medical, uh, police dramas and procedurals, that is your bread and butter. So they are going to be turned off watching a bunch of, you know, visual effects. Whereas on the CW, that's your audience. That's, that's your people. We, we eat that up. And no, for folks did, did out you... there that don't know about the Dominators... Check out, check out the. Well, you can always check out Wikipedia, but the invasion uh, trade paperback story from the 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 1980s. Check that out, and also Legion of Superheroes, Dominators. They're intertwined. I hope, I hope we don't just get oh, the Dominators are straight up fighters. These guys are crafty aliens. They they have waged war with American uh, American Earth superheroes for a long long time. So uh, just to let you know, if the Dominators are done right, oh my God, Savitar who? I don't even need to worry about that. Dominators will wreck enough on their own. Would you say this and is kind hokey. of sort of a rip off? Would you kind of say this is kind of kind of a would you say this is kind of a ripoff of Avengers 1, somewhat TV style? And also, would you say that this is DC's version of the Skrulls or the Chitauri? No, no, no. This is nowhere close. Just look up who the Dominators are, okay? Imagine, imagine a planet full of Dexters. And I'm not talking about Kalu oh. and Brainiac. The Dominators are Dexters. They're smart, and they love to experiment on stuff. See, the Kree, they experimented to create soldiers. The Dominators, they experiment to experiment. They love to experiment. They're sadists. Oh, right, we'll yeah, yeah, then. yeah, yeah. If, they, if done right, I, if done right, this is the worst threat that these heroes will ever face. And we've seen some bad now, threats. And again, we got less than four minutes, so I got to run through this. Uh, Claire referenced visual effects. There's also this deal with ABCs in Humans coming up 2017. That 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 two things going on. That uh, it appears not to be a spinoff or a straight spinoff off off of Agents of Shield. So we, we don't know if there's going to be any kind of connection story-wise. And also that they're not using the same virtual uh, effects person or, or company. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, we do know that uh, the, the two-part episode is going to be available, which is interesting. I'm going to be in the theater. Uh, it's going to be on, on IMAX, IMAX before it hits the actual uh, TV, TV uh, screen. So um, what are your thoughts about this difference with the visual effects people? I mean, it, it's got to be kind of visual effects heavy by, by the virtue of who the royal family are. 
Yeah, yeah. And if you get the visual effects wrong, yeah, you get the Inhumans wrong. Because we need to see Medusa's moving hair. We need to see a realistic, realistic, a realistic-looking lockjaw. Hey, the only person of the royal family that you could do without special effects is Karnak. Guys, look up Karnak. You'll see why. But, hey, 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 Donnie Yen, if they mistreat you in Star Wars, I want you as Karnak. Let's face it, Ip Man is essentially Karnak. So, you know, Donnie Yen, I'm putting it out there. U.S. Karnak, Yen for Karnak. That's my new hashtag. (laughs) (laughs) And one last last thing, if we can can fit this in here. Well, Claire brought this up at the top of the show. Kevin Feige defecating on my dreams. There we Uh, go. I find it hard. (laughs) Well, I said that, listen. We're going to go well, we've got about two minutes, but we're going to go a little bit into the podcast format. So for folks uh, listening, if you get cut off, continue listening on the rebroadcast. Give you, we're going to go into another five minutes um, because this is, angers me. This Kevin Feige thing, um, I, said, I said last week that there's this whole deal of, of rejiggering the X-Men franchise. Okay, fine. I have no desire to invest another 17 years into X-Men if it's not going to be connected to an MCU. Why bother? And then, and then he even threw in the FF, the Fantastic Four, in there as well. So without the Fantastic Four, you screwed that up. Without seeing a, without seeing a, a real Latveria, Doctor Doom, in armor, I mean, the way, that, the way that could actually go down, and all the ancillary characters connected to the, to the FF, the Watcher, Silver Surfer, and so forth, if, if they're not going to be able to do that effectively, leave it alone. And, and, and also the X-Men, rejiggering it you know, for another almost two decades, I, I, I find that hard to believe. But he said, all but confirmed, oh, we have too much going on. What are your thoughts about that? Let's go to Claire on that. You know, this is something that I had mentioned a while back. Like I, even before he said it, in his own words, like, okay, you know, we've got enough on our plate, okay? We're, we're busy, thanks, thanks, but no thanks. Even before he said it, I had to be point blank about it because I know people are just, just, just chomping at the bit, chomping at the bit in any sort of hope of a Fox-Marvel deal similar, at the very least, similar to that of Fox and Sony with Spider-Man. So, honestly, because of all all that has taken place. I mean, and with Marvel, I mean, with between 14, I think 14 films over the course of eight years, you know, they have built an empire. They, they, they've, they've crafted this. They've constructed the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So they did so under the assumption that they would be without these characters. Hence the reason why, you know, Avengers, uh, Age of Ultron, and, and Civil War, even they kind of had to rejigger their scripts just on the maybe possibility of either having Spider-Man or not. Because the contracts, negotiations, all that merchandising, the rights to whatever property and distribution, it gets crazy. All them lawyers, you know, it, it takes a while. So they've already constructed this 
under the notion that they would never have X-Men, that they would never have Fantastic Four. And with good reason, because the rivalry between Fox and Marvel has gone on for years. I mean, I just feel like with what he's saying, we got to leave it alone, let it be, you know, let them take their baby steps. And when I say baby steps, I'm talking about Legion, you know, and Legion is is taking that, you know, initial partnership into into action with people from Fox and people from Marvel Television working together on this show about um, Xavier's son. So if you've seen the trailer, which I'm sure we all have, all the trailers that came out, um, you know, from from Comic-Con, it's, it's going to be trippy. I mean, it definitely looks very strange. They've, they've given up on Hellfire Club. They kind of just kind of had to shelve that. But they're they're just they're gonna take this and, and see where it goes. So let's just allow that to happen. Let's see where it goes. They'll either make it work or it won't. And if it works, great. We might see more of these partnerships. But in terms of bringing X Men and Fantastic Four into the MCU, that is such a leap. And Marvel has already slated their movies. Through 2020, they've already, they've, you know what I'm saying? Like, they've already done their, uh, their shuffling of, okay, between all of us big studios, we have to negotiate when we get to release our movie in a way that is not going to overlap or compete with any of you. So they're constantly having to shuffle and, and try to choose a date and so now that they've upped the ante, and Marvel is now going to release not two, but three, three movies a year. And they've already bookended their, their, their stuff on their schedule through 2020. Yeah, yeah. How the hell are they going to get X-Men in there? How the hell are they going to get Fantastic Four in there? There's no room. Do I have hope for the future? Do I have hope that maybe down the line in, in uh, Marvel MCU phase Phase five, phase seven, whatever, you know, sure, anything is possible. Anything is possible. But for now, I hate to break it to you, Debert, but for now, things are going to be kept separate. For now, as of right now, Brian Singer is not attached to the third X-Men trilogy he is not currently attached. So that should give you a little bit of hope, a little bit of hope. When they talk all that nonsense about how, oh, yeah, we're going to do another Fantastic Four, let them talk nonsense. Let them talk nonsense. They can't well, even listen, get Gambit. That's... They've been talking about Gambit for three years. That's not going nowhere. So let's just well, let I'll them talk their mess. I'll say this much. FF2 is not happening by any stretch of the imagination. That if they don't do anything, if they don't do anything, it's going to revert back to Marvel anyway. And I, I mean, it, it, it's it's almost an untenable situation because that last movie was so horrible that I cannot believe they're going to go back into it. And if they're not going to go back into it, that means it goes back to Marvel anyway. I mean, that, but, that's but what you have really to understand. You have to understand why did they do that? 
why did they make that terrible movie? Which, which now that Michael B. Jordan is now in Black Panther, I mean, how the hell are you going to keep that going? But, but ask yourself, why did they rush into the second Spider-Man trilogy at Sony? Why did they rush into this garbage Fantastic Four in 2015? Why? Because they're about to lose the rights. So Fox yeah. has seven years, seven years from the date that that was released before the rights expire and revert back to Marvel. So they have until 2022. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I, I, I always thought that it was like maybe three or four years that they had. They have, they have more time than that? It's more time. Because oh, they, man. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Because they, they made the movie, they distributed the movie, so they, it extends the contract. <sighs> seven years. 2022. All right. Fox, okay, great. give me my New Mutants film. Please don't tell me. All right. Just, I, don't want, uh, I, don't want, uh, I don't want Fox near any of this stuff. I'm done with uh, Fox. And I tell you, I mean, I, listen, I, Fox can do Deadpool because they were, they were essentially doing an MCU movie, in my estimation. They actually, they actually honored the character the way we know the character to be. I mean, it, you know, they 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 are so shocked that Deadpool worked when you know all along you had an actor that was willing to play it and knew the character intimately. It was, of course, it was going to work, obviously. But yeah, but, but my, my but issue, no Tim Miller. That I know they got the John Wick director now attached to it, but man, Tim Miller directed the first one beautifully. Uh, oh. Oh. Well, I'll say this much. I, I say this much with with. I think Fox. And this is my only, my only thought. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. But if Fox sees how well a Sony collaboration does, see, see everything right now is a theory until we actually see that, how that movie performs. Uh, we saw that, uh, like the X Men X Men films. Okay, they make money, but they're still on a downward spiral, making money going down. If they're able to successfully rejigger Spider-Man, which was making money but going down, and if this MCU makes it go back to a billion-dollar franchise, which it could potentially be, if if Spider-Man becomes a back in a billionaire boys' club because of this collaboration, I bet you Fox is going to turn things around. Then it, then they're going. It's not going to be a theory. They're going to say, "Oh, oh crap." That's what I think. And we can, and we also saw Lou Lou talk that nonsense before about Black Panther when he said, oh, we can't do a Black Panther film. You know, the, the logistics and, you know, we could make uh, Asgard out of thin air, but Wakanda, oh, that's, that's a whole different story. Somehow, what became impossible became possible. So I, I don't trust these people. I don't trust them. Donald Trump is an officer. Enough said. Somehow you turn it back into Trump. Anyway, hi. Nothing is Don't you believe it. Blame Donald. When in doubt, blame Donald. Exactly. Oh, God. The reason why you're saying that, the reason why you keep bringing Donald Trump, President-elect Donald Trump, I understand why you keep bringing that into the fold, because you're reminding us that literally – Anything is possible. Yeah, anything. Anything. Good or bad. Yep. All right, folks. On that note, these th- the time flies so fast. Wow. Um, next week, we'll do it again. I'll be playing uh, Christmas music, unfortunately. And starting now. <laughs> so, 
next Wednesday. Lead a horn. Let us know. Let us know. Let us know. Wednesday, then Saturday. It's been real. Christmas Always and Hollis. Folks. Thank you. Gotta do Run DMC. No, no. Yeah. Uh-huh.